0: to your Friday! You're listening to Crooked News, where we bring you crazy news, hilarious history, and the occasional listener story. Please send your stories to talkcrooked at (laughs) (laughs) gmail.com. You can send us, like, crazy news stories and weird history stuff. Like, that would be incredibly helpful. It would. It doesn't have to be personal stories.
1: Um. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Okay, so... Normally, I do three little stories. um, but I found this, and it's a bit oh longer than my normal <laughs> little, than my normal story. <laughs> and I thought, we'll just do this today, but I've got okay. a special treat for you guys next week, but this is gonna be really fun. So okay, I and I'm not quite sure why this came up on offbeat Reddit today because it was published in 2013. Um, huh. by Nathan Jeffe at the Guardian, but Hefe? It, it, that could be it.
0: Yep. I'm okay. going to go ahead and say that that's it. I don't think anyone's named Jeff A. <laughs> <laughs> this is last name. <laughs> you Sorry don't know. Really funny. Um. I think I do. I'm pretty confident.
1: <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Anyway, Nathan brought us this wonderful story. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through
0: it. Oh, my God.
1: Okay, so... Kosher Lube puts oral sex on the menu for Orthodox Jews. What? What? <laughs>
0: Oh my god, I'm so excited. Our right. Te- our our <laughs> stories are
1: so on the same wavelength. Great! I'm so I'm excited. I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> Rabbis have certified a range of lubricants as kosher. Is this the first rabbinically approved innovation to help oral sex? <laughs> <laughs> WET's kosher lubricants have been approved by the Rabbinical Council of California. Rabbis have rarely generated so much excitement. At least not in the bedroom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh. Yes! We can eat each other's junk now. Right. Finally.
1: <laughs> For the first time, Orthodox Jews can buy sexual lubricants that have been declared kosher. The US made wet range of lubes I now. Mean,
0: finally. Yeah. And I, but I also couldn't... sorry. Mm-hmm. Who uses lube when they're going down on
1: someone? Well, that's what I was trying to figure out too. But I think I understand why they did it this way, and it explains it in a minute. Okay, cool. Um, so it's like,
0: I've been doing it wrong, <laughs> but I'm not putting lube in my mouth.
1: Well, I think it could be because like sometimes people go down on their partner after they've had sex with them, and um... they've probably already used lube. And if there's a chance of something entering a Jew's mouth and them swallowing it, swallowing it, it needs to be kosher. Sure. If they're okay. very strict, okay. so that's that's why. Um, so the U.S. made wet range of lubes now has eight lines that have been given a religious stamp of approval, including its ecstasy product. This means that rabbis <laughs> This means that rabbis from the Rabbinical Council of California have inspected WET's 52,000-square-foot production plant and researched the origins of every ingredient to check none comes from items prohibited by kosher rules.
0: Oh, man.
1: As with many great innovations, the lubricant resulted from personal motivation. Sean Smith, president of Trigg Laboratories, which produces WET, converted to Judaism after marrying a Jewish-Israeli woman. But what's the oh. need? Oh, <laughs> But what's the need? was the need. Yeah. Being born. (laughs) Um, But what's the need for kosher lubricants? (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I saw this, I was thinking, oh, uh, gay Jewish men can have sex now. (laughs) Like, they could, could, uh, you know, step in the right direction. But we went oral sex, and I mean, I guess what you gonna do um what it can also be used for other stuff so but yeah. <laughs> but what's <laughs> the need for a kosher lubricant orthodox jews spread all sorts of cosmetics over their bodies without checking their kosher from soap, to exfoliators moisturizers to medical ointments observant jews can use whatever is sold on the mainstream market without checking its origins kosher laws don't apply to products for external use in fact according to guidelines by the representative by the respected cash root certifier, Star K, one may even apply non-kosher ingredients to one's lips, um, like lipstick or lip balm. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is that kosher certification is only relevant to Jews who swallow a product. Really, it's only necessary for the God-fearing who intentionally swallow it.
0: Again! Who's using, who's swallowing lube? Uh,
1: y- I don't know. I
0: just, I just... Okay. I mean, sometimes, <laughs> I, like I sometimes know they make edible lube. I yeah. just don't see the appeal, and
1: uh, yeah, I mean, you I, might not. Okay. Someone else might. It might. It, whatever okay. floats I your mean, boat. Sure. Does it. I just. <laughs> um.
0: You have saliva. That's what. That's plenty of lube for. Yeah.
1: <laughs> for but, blowing someone. Yeah, but also, <laughs> also, like I've known of guys that have gone down on girls after, they have had sex and they probably used lube beforehand. So if there's oh, any chance okay.
0: I mean I guess. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's the I only can, um, thing I can think of. Um
0: That's the only thing I could feasibly think of too. I Yeah.
1: So really I, no one's
0: spreading that shit on toast. Yeah.
1: <laughs> really, it's only necessary <laughs> for the God fearing who intentionally swallow it. But some strict Strict observers go further and buy kosher products if there is a risk of accidentally swallowing them. So, although Orthodox Jews haven't been waiting for the rabbinic nod before using lubes, they have been limited in what they could do with them. For hundreds of years, the Jewish religious establishment has been divided on whether oral sex is allowed as part of a bedroom repertoire. It's still pretty taboo for public discourse, and the rabbis who have approved the lubes haven't spelled out whom their certification will benefit. But among Orthodox Jews, the significance is clear. Fourteen years after Rabbi Shumley Botox struck a blow for openness by publishing his hit book, Kosher Sex, this is the first rabbinic intervention innovation to help kosher then oral sex and everyone
0: was relieved because they can do whatever they want yes it's their fucking bedroom and they're married to each other yes
1: <laughs> but and now they
0: don't have to feel bad about it
1: but um, they're already
0: doing it believe me
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh this is the first rabbinic innovation to help kosher oral sex in eight flavors and that oh was my, my story. god
0: <laughs> In eight flavors. <laughs> yes. Gross. All I'm thinking of is like hot dogs and like other kosher, like hot dogs and pickles and like. Ugh. There are other things, things that are kosher. I know. I know. I know. I'm just thinking of like the most common.
1: Yeah. Ew. But
0: yeah. Taste my pickle flavored uh, uh. <laughs> pickle.
1: I would actually vomit. (laughs) Couldn't do it. Ouch, ouch.
0: But, yeah. Sorry, I had a wedgie. So. All right. Well, on that note, let's take a very quick break, and then uh, we'll talk about my shockingly similar story. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, we're back. All righty. So. This is an article for Mental Floss. I'm not gonna read the title, okay? Because it gives it away. Okay. And so this was an article for Mental Floss, uh, written by Megan Gannon, and it, w- it came out January 2017. Mhm. Um. So, <laughs> uh, I'd like to thank History Photographed on Instagram for giving me the inspiration for the mm-hmm. story. Um, and let's dive in. So. Sarah Rivers Cofield has something a little unsavory sitting on her desk. A fragile, round-tipped sheath dug out of an abandoned well that she thinks could be the oldest surviving condom in North America. Oh! (laughs)
1: Yikes!
0: (laughs) A curator at the Maryland Archaeological Conservation Laboratory, or MAC Lab, Rivers Cofield found the suspected condom in April twenty fifteen when she was looking for artifacts to put in an exhibit tied to the time travel series Outlander. <laughs> <laughs> the English goods that dominated eighteenth century colonial Maryland are comparable are comparable with objects featured in the scenes depicting seventeen forties Scotland, she says. You would have picked this sil- one
1: because it mentioned Outlander. <laughs> I didn't
0: I well <laughs> that was a happy accident. So, a happy coincidence. So, um, in early, in search of a silk ribbon for the exhibit, Rivers Cofield went to, went to a cabinet at Mac Lab containing small organic items that had been found in a, w- in a well decades ago at Oxen Hill Manor, a slave-owning plantation just south of Washington, D.C., overlooking the Potomac River. The well was used as a trash pit between the 1720s and 1750s. Ooh. And when it was excavated in the 1980s, archaeologists found an array of household garbage, including bottle corks, tobacco leaves, broken porcelain dishes, grass clippers, wooden pieces of musical instruments, and cloth and silk fragments. Huh? She also came across an object labeled... Paper? As in, qu- it's literally paper with a question mark. <laughs> Immediately, she thought, condom. <laughs> in terms of, it, quote, in terms of its dimensions, it's clearly the right shape and everything. Uh, sorry, I lost my place. It's clearly the right shape and everything, Rivers Colfield told Mental Floss. I had seen 18th century references to condoms, so I knew it was a possibility. My guess would be that whoever originally treated the artifact was probably reminded of a condom, too. But maybe they <laughs> didn't know condoms could date back to the 18th century. The, <laughs> the artifact just needed someone who had seen those period references to make the connection.
1: Okay, so I looked it up and just uh-huh. because I wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. And it's It has it, a
0: pink ribbon.
1: And it looks like it's been used.
0: <laughs> like Well, of course it was <laughs> in a trash pit. Yes. It's just That's where Hundreds used of Years go. later.
1: Hundreds of years later yes. you can still see that it's been used.
0: <laughs> <Like>, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> that shit lingers. Yeah. Um Humans have been using condoms made from animal guts and bladders for thousands of years to prevent pregnancy and, eventually, disease. But given the private and biodegradable nature of early condoms, it's probably not surprising that there aren't many examples from the archeolo- ar- archaeological record. See, why can not we do that? What?
1: Like, make them biodegradable now so we don't have all these plastic fucking...
0: Do you really want a pig intestine inside you?
1: No, but, like, there are other ways to make it biodegradable.
0: But they also have to not break. Yeah. These were incredibly fragile. Okay, that's fair. Never mind. I mean, um, there's more to it. Okay. (laughs) I'm just saying. You can get natural condoms, I'm pretty sure. Like, rubber is a natural thing, but... Mm -hmm. We also have to make sure that they don't break all the time. So it's a balancing act. Um, (laughs) so given the private and biodegradable nature of early condoms, more biodegradable because it was made of animal skin and stuff, Mm -hmm. um, it's probably not surprising that there aren't many examples, blah, 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 blah. Okay. The oldest, the world's oldest surviving condoms date back to the 1640s, a pig intestine condom found complete with its user manual in Sweden. Which I love, I, and another yeah, that's ten amazing. condoms that <laughs> another ten condoms that were excavated from a latrine in Britain's Dudley Castle.
1: What's a latrine? Because
0: of course, a latrine is a toilet. Oh,
1: oh. Okay. Um,
0: <laughs> it's like a toilet trench where people go out and. Yep. Like when y- when you're in an army camp, you have to dig the latrines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's where people do their business. <laughs> um. Our one example is probably more of a fluke of survival than having anything to do with whether condoms were actually here, Rivers Cofield said. I'm sure they must have been here. (laughs) Historical records suggest that by the 18th century, condoms were widespread in Europe. It's also around this time that condoms were first mentioned in English medical literature, in a book about gonorrhea by the unfortunately named William Cockburn. (laughs) Me! (laughs) (laughs) They were sold in markets, pubs, brothels, and barbershops, much to the predictable dismay of the era's moralists, of course. Um... In 1705, John Campbell, the second Duke of Argyll, successfully tried to get the contraceptives banned. Oh, I'm so sorry. I said that wrong. Unsuccessfully tried to get the contraceptives banned in Britain. He even brought a linen condom to the floor of the parliament and waved it around, proclaiming <laughs> that the devices were debauching of a great number of ladies of, the, of quality and young gentlewomen. <laughs> Fuck off, dude.
1: sure that's what others, did
0: it seriously <laughs> others reveled in the debauchery afforded by condoms and writers in the 18th century came up with plenty of euphemisms nightcaps french letters machines preservatives <laughs> i love
1: those things are making you sense a Nightcap. <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> to talk about the devices, Scottish writer James Boswell wrote about using armor in his outdoor dalliances with sex workers in London. <laughs> legendary. Ooh, goodness gracious, sorry. It's okay. uh, legendary Italian wo- womanizer Giacomo Casanova spoke of using quote unquote English raincoats. <laughs> It's my favorite name for a condom of all time. It's what I'm going to say forever. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the best. Yes. He spoke of using English raincoats during his tr- trysts. <laughs> he even claims he found condoms in the drawer of a French nun he was having an affair with. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then there's a lovely picture of them blowing them up because they had to blow them up.
1: <laughs> That's hilarious. To get their
0: dicks in them. Oh, God. Um, m- meanwhile, the and it's an engraving. Someone engraved this shit.
1: Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> meanwhile, the American colonies, thanks to their puritanical origins, had a reputation for being rather sexually constrained. You don't say. hmm In her book, The Humble Little Condom, Anne Collier <laughs> notes that there aren't any references to colonial condom use in the mid-18th century. It wasn't until the... F- it's because probably they were using it and nobody was talking about it. Yeah. Because that's what we do here. <laughs> yeah. Um, it wasn't until... I'm actively against this. Do you have some, though? <laughs> um... <laughs> It wasn't until the few decades after the American Revolution that condoms started to be openly sold and discussed in metropolitan centers like New York and Philadelphia. Some things never change. Yep. But even then, the, th- the subject was a little taboo. A French immigrant who found success selling fine Parisian condoms at his bookshop in Philadelphia in the 1790s still had to pay ship's captains to smuggle his wares to the U.S., according to (laughs) Collier's book. That's amazing. Yes. There were condom pirates. (laughs) Rivers Cofield said there were no sources that talk about condom use in the Chesapeake region in the first half of the 18th century. The Addison family, who owned Oxon Hill, was a wealthy bunch of merchants and planters with access to the trade networks that presumably would have allowed them to order condoms from a major production center like London. Mm-hmm. But Rivers Cofield isn't hopeful that she'll find a paper trail that leads her to an answer about who used this condom and why. <laughs> yeah, probably not. It was just in a trash pit, honey. Yeah. Uh, quote, I don't think it's going to show up in a probate inventory, Rivers <laughs> Cofield said. I don't think it's going to show up in a bi- in a ship's bill of lading landing. I don't think we're going to figure it figure out all of the secrets of it because it's a private object. <laughs> yeah, um, I would assume that because it is a private object that this would have been sp- that this would have surreptitiously been thrown in the well, which is disgusting. Yeah, people drink from that, but again. <laughs> <laughs> But again, I don't really know how open people there were about sexuality. Probably not at all. Yeah. Is it possible that that the women were like, listen, I need a break from the kids for a little bit? <laughs> there are so many possibilities. She presented her discovery earlier this month at the annual meeting of the Society for the Historical Archaeology in Fort Worth, Texas. Now she's hoping to find a willing biology student to help her confirm with a DNA test that the suspected condom is really made from sheep's gut. Oh. Yeah. So, if you guys... I can just describe it. It looks like paper a little bit, Mm -hmm. but it's not. And then at the base, it has a little pink ribbon threaded through because, of course, it wasn't stretchy... Yeah. And you had to tie it, you had to keep it on somehow.
1: <laughs> I love the image of that. Why? I love that
0: it's a pink ribbon. Yes. And it's like, it's. Ew, what the hell? What? I feel like I just found like a piece of glass in my bed. That's Ooh. weird. Um. Yeah, it's a, so it's someone's schlong with a little pink bow at the top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, I found that delightful. Yeah. I don't know how you felt about it.
1: but (laughs) That was wonderful. I loved it. Our stories went so well together.
0: I know. That was a total coincidence. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, thank you guys, everybody, so much for listening. We love you. And remember,
1: you are not a monster. Bye,
0: guys. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Talk Crooked. Music is by Gizla Niebach. Check out our website, talkcrooked.wixsite.com podcast for sources and visual aids, as well as resources to get involved. To keep up with our nonsense and stay up to date on all things Crooked, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook at Talk To keep the shots coming, access exclusive bonus content, get a free poster, and a shout out on air, head
1: on over to our Patreon. All links can be found on our website. You can listen to us basically anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you have interesting stories relating to our content, please send them to talkcrooked at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on the show. For business inquiries or sponsorships, please email us at kbusiness at gmail.com. See you next time.